I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. It's impossible not to just get down to this song. It's so bad and so good. I can see why this was their victory song. It is a great guilty pleasure that you have to earn to listen to. But you don't have to earn it. All you have to do is click play on this wonderful podcast you're listening to right now. My name is Bill Matz. I am your director of fun and games for the evening. We have a lot to get through. It's a new day in Philadelphia hockey. Yes, it is. The Flyers won a shootout. They're 1-0 in shootouts. They are undefeated in shootouts. That who you heard is from my broadcast partner in crime, Steph Felicious, to your stealth Steph Driver. I'm not typically a woo girl, but I think that the situation <laughs> calls for it. Am I a woo girl? You're a woo girl for sure. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> that next voice you heard was the fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. Good evening, Flyers fans and Atlantic Canadians. <laughs> Atlantic Canadians. I love it. Last but not least, Charlie Carshidi O'Connor. Oh, that was wow. like an insult. Wow. Oh, he wrote God. it. Wow, I love it. I love it. He I said it. Love it. He's a real reporter now. He's yeah. a professional, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. He's, oh, I have feelings about that, but okay. <laughs> the Flyers are through seven games since we have talked to you last uh, they are 2-2. Two and two. Most recently, as I mentioned, they won a freaking shootout. Uh, great come-from-behind effort after just what was in one of them carry price games. It's just one of those things you have to get used to, like when the Flyers used to run into Brodeur. Uh, sometimes you just run into carry price against Montreal, drop that one 3-1. to one. But we are going to start tonight with everyone's favorite topic. Nope, not goalies. We'll get to that. We will get to <laughs> goalies, I promise. First and foremost, the defense. What did everyone think? Gudis is back. Mm. Schultz is out. Strike stayed in. Manning stayed in. We're, we're getting there. <laughs> Slowly. Slowly. But surely we're getting there. See, you said Strite stayed in and Manning stayed in. Like, those are the ones that should have come out. But nope. Well. <laughs> McDonald isn't coming out. Like, it's just not. Well. Well. Not until know. not until Delzato's back. And how long away? How far away is that? Next Where week. are we? Next week. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! We're kind of along. He's the, practicing oh, again. That's like good. He's skating and yeah. It's, because he's I close. really, I really, really need for McDonald to not be in this lineup anymore. I need him to not be around me or in my life in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> oh, 
Oh. I, I wouldn't okay, mind him with the lot. Phantoms. I wouldn't mind him with the Phantoms. I guess. <laughs> but no, he... It's an uh, hour away. I, I suppose, <laughs> you know, like all the excuses we heard for acquiring McDonald and then re-signing him, uh, he's capable of playing the 20-plus minutes and all those kinds of things. He's capable... I mean, he, I, I am too. That's the thing. Not, not well. Yeah, right. yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm physically capable. Uh, some yeah, guys just so. are 12 to 14 minute defensemen and that's what it is. Well, they play 12 to 14 minutes well. <laughs> we have a guy some, who can skate guys, for 24 minutes some, some poorly. Guys play five minutes not, but can he actually like skate? I'm not saying it's right. No, no, I'm just can't. saying that's what's happening. <laughs> I love that we're having two different conversations <laughs> on different sides of the table right McDonald now. McDonald <laughs> is in for now because he is the guy who they, you know, quote unquote can play in all situations and all three zones for 20 plus minutes. I don't agree with it. I think they'd be better off using absolutely anybody else. But as Charlie got the coach to say last night, Andrew McDonald is reliable. Which, number one, thank you for asking that question. <laughs> Seriously. Because the Beats are not going to ask questions that put the coach on the spot and kind of question what he did. When really, that's all we want to hear. So thank you very much for asking that. It's it's hard, though. Especially after a win, because nobody wants to ask the negative question after a win. Nobody wants to ask negative questions, period. But nobody really wants to ask them after a win, because the, everybody's happy. And it's like, oh, you should be asking how good we did, and how we made this great comeback. But the fact that Andrew McDonald started out the overtime in the first shift was just so insane at first glance that I just felt like it had to be asked. Like, at least to give Haxall a chance to justify the decision because it was just so crazy when you got... Obviously, you have Shane Gossesbury, but you also have Mark Streit, who had his best game of the year, and he's sitting on the bench, too. I mean, he's a he's an overtime three-on-three guy, and instead you throw out Andrew McDonald, who not only has not been playing well this year, not only is not that good of a player, period, he had a really bad game. I mean, that, that, that turnover he had at the end of the first period where... A ghost like went to the behind the net to wait for the return pass that any other defenseman would give him, and McDonald instead just threw it into the high slot and turned it over with like twenty seconds left and almost resulted in a goal. Like these are not this is not advanced stats. This is the eye <laughs> no, test. This is oh, pure eye, eye test. test. Pure eye test. And that's a. Uh... When you read that reliable thing, we always say the different definitions of reliable when we talk about Chris Vandevelde and how coach is like a guy who's just not going to make the big mistake. All right, no, he's not going to wow you with anything, but at least he's going to go out there and do the right thing, you know, 99% of the time. Andrew McDonald's not even that guy. The funny thing is Schultz is that guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah as, mu- as much as I yeah. don't really like Nick Schultz's game, he is that guy. He yeah, is the yeah. guy who is not going to make the big mistake. He's a death by a thousand cuts guy because he's going to give tons of space in the neutral zone. He's going to, you know, let you take shots in the eye when when you're on the attack because he's trying to protect the slot. Like he's not effective, but he doesn't screw up that bad. Whereas McDonald screws up terribly. Like he's he makes so many glaring mistakes in all three zones that I just don't understand how he's getting a pass. And maybe he's not. Maybe it really was a tough decision for Haxtell to pick between him and Schultz, and he picked McDonald, and the minute that Delzato's back, McDonald is gone. Maybe. But it sure doesn't sound like it. On Thursday, shouldn't Schultz be in and McDonald be out just based on McDonald's performance in the last game? Is this not a meritocracy? Logically, one would assume that that was happening, but... Charlie's the quote that Charlie pulled doesn't seem to indicate that because it it doesn't even sound like the kind of crap that they feed at the end of a game. No, you know, yeah. the, it, it sounds like he really thinks 
he's a solid defenseman that he can trust. And that's horrifying. When I read that quote, I thought this isn't like a game defense or decision defense. This is like a big picture defense of Andrew McDonald. Well, Mm. I mean, he used the word reliable. Um, and, and we we have discussed like, this one word because that's the one that I think is is the one that really you can rely kind of, on him to fall like, down seven or eight stabs times. us all yeah. in the eardrums. Like mm-hmm. this is the one that we pick that word. But I mean, you do know what Andrew McDonald's going to do. You do know play poorly, right? But yeah, you, that's true. you do know. Um, and Kelly, you brought up Vandevelde. It it is the same type of thing. Um. I think that it's still likely that Schultz plays instead of McDonald tomorrow. It would be nice. And one thing I did, one point I did make on Twitter after um, I got retweeted like 50 times by people that were going crazy about that quote was Ooh. that usually when you ask a coach after a game, you know, hey, what did you think of this guy's game? Usually they will say, yeah, I liked his game, and they'll give you a couple of reasons why or something to that effect. The fact that he didn't say, because I specifically asked him, you know, what did you see in his game last night to make you think he was worth giving the first shift of overtime? And he didn't talk at all about his game, which at least leads me to believe that Haxtell noticed that McDonald did not play well, which is important because how could you not notice that he did not play well last night? Like it, it would have it would have scared me more if he would have went on this defense of McDonald. Yeah, he was he was moving the puck great last night and one of our most effective defensemen. And then you're like, okay, what game are you watching? At least this was more like he was implicitly admitting that okay, McDonald may not have been that good last night, but I, I, I still like him. He's still good. I don't agree with that either, but at least that's not as delusional as him saying that he was good last night. And he was the third most used defenseman, played over 20 minutes last night, four of which were on the penalty kill, which is really his only, because anyone can kill penalties, you just stand there, get hit by shots, and hope to find the puck in the corner and throw it up the ice. But I, I I can't figure out how you're playing Brandon Manning Seventeen and a half minutes at this point, when he has so clearly outperformed, and I guess it's just Manning's role at this point, and he's he's not playing on the power play, and you know, Provorov ended up playing nearly twenty five minutes last night, and those two are paired <laughs> together, and it's working. But what? Why aren't? Uh, what is with uh, Kelly? Wants to call this conversation, Dave Haxtell? What's the matter with you? No, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. And uh, yeah. what what is he doing with the way he's using all six defensemen? Yeah, it's it. I mean, it's a little, it's a little frightening, honestly. Like it may, it starts to. I don't know if anyone else remembers last season. I think that there was a little bit of questioning of Dave Haxtall's lineup choices last year, and a lot of it, I think, was kind of like, okay, he's a rookie coach. He's figuring this team out. It's a team in transition. We don't really know where we're going here. Let's just give him some time to figure out what's going on. Okay, cool, fine. But the fact that he's continuing this season to kind of make not great choices, I, I mean, when do we start to worry? I don't know. I um, That's a great question. My, my response to it would be when the suspensions are over, when Delzato's back, when Raffle's back, when he's not making gun to your head decisions every night because one of his pieces, guys who should be in the lineup regularly, are out for, you know, a check to the head or because they're injured. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, then, like, come November, yeah, sure. It's time to start saying, oh, wh- wh- why is Chris Vandeveldi still in the lineup, bro? Like, what you doing? But then you have stuff like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Konechny did not get any time in three-on-three, three, right? I don't. 
I don't believe he did. Think he did, and that's concerning. Is that weird? I mean, am I crazy? He also hasn't been getting a lot of time in the third periods. I'm I'm, I'm less I'm less angry at that just because when they're when they're chasing the game, he plays. I believe it's when they're protecting the lead, he doesn't, and I'm I'm cool with that. Like I. I guess I'd I'd ideally prefer them to be trying to pour it on with the lead, but I can understand the coaching thought process that comes with like, hey, I probably don't want this 19-year-old trying to nail down a lead when I have Matt Reed, who is a good defensive forward, who I can just move up to the second line and have him play defense. Like, it's I'm, a, I'm cool with that. And it's a lot about who he plays with. Sean Couturier is your shutdown number one defensive center, mm-hmm. and Matt Reed has a history with him. They have chemistry. And in those situations, when you're protecting a lead late in a game, it doesn't bother me at all that Konechny's not on the ice. But three on three, yeah, that's this where is he's going to do it. This yeah. is his skill set. Yeah, this is the this all is of the that thing ice. that excites us most. It's something I was like, <laughs> when you start see the day he was drafted, you're like, oh man, this is a guy with some open ice. He could do some damage, and he's been their most threatening forward all year. Could you imagine? Konechny, Provorov, and really anybody else on three on three? It, yes, I can, Stephanie. Yeah. Is that what you dream about? Because that's what Maybe. I dream about. It's not a bad dream. <laughs> I wake up pretty happy. You guys drink about dream about wildly different things than I do. But <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> one, one, one thing I will say about Hackstall, and I brought this up last year with Medvedev, because I feel like he was the big... Mm. He he was the divisive force between like the fans wanting to see him play because the stats said he should play and obviously Hextall didn't play him. He was playing guys like Manning and McDonald and Schultz over him. But one thing that you do have to remember is as fans, we're obviously always going to get frustrated with the, the decisions that don't make sense to us. But it's probably not a good idea to focus too much on them. Like the way I'll put it is this. Even if we're 100% right and McDonald should be out of the lineup instead of Schultz, that's what like – 0.5% of the job that we're better than Dave Haxtell at when it comes to coaching. Like, <laughs> hey, Dave Haxtell kind of is still 99.5% no <laughs> a better coach than we are, even if we are 100% right about this this particular lineup move. And I mean, we might not be. I think we are, but we might not be. And like, it, it's, it's very, I think it's very easy for fans to jump from. I disagree with the de- this decision to man, this coach is an idiot and he's a good coach. He just sometimes makes decisions that seem kind of odd. But so does like Mike Babcock. I mean, he loves his sure. line grinders too, and he's the best systems coach in hockey. So while the frustration totally understandable, totally justified, like let's not go too far and just start like raking Haxel over the coals. Well, there's also the fact that he's really trying his best. I mean, this is his job to put icing on top of a cow pie. Like, do you really <laughs> if you're a head coach, do you really want to have to choose between Andrew McDonald and Nick Schultz to True. start. Like if if you're building your team, you want neither one of them there. It's it, it, it's like, all right, I've got to choose between getting my arm ripped off or having my leg blown off in a bomb. Like there's I, I this this all that's all I got. It's um, not weird. It, I don't I had, that was like no, it was a terrible analogy. <laughs> no, okay. It was it was absolutely horrific. Um but like it's it's not good either way, and and he's. I, I think there could be criticisms on both sides. A guy until we, they're both gone. It, it's funny because a guy we put in that category of someone who's just uh, what, what can't we just get rid of him until these first seven games? 
Brandon Manning. I know. Yeah, isn't that weird? Where did he come from? We're like, they actually write about him and we were not. That's what I, because I was looking at, I I don't, I don't ever say that I'm wrong. It feels like, it feels like he's been around forever going back to that, uh, Briz quote from years ago when, uh, when it was, uh, the Flyers brought him up and he, he made a joke about Peyton Manning had been released that day or. Opt I don't out. remember. Yeah, that. Briz made a joke. Briz made a Peyton I Manning joke. I bet it was joke. funny. It was fun. I mean, very funny. If it was Briz, I'm sure. Yeah, it was he made a Peyton Manning joke about uh, Brandon Manning. I has he been around remember. that long? Yeah, he's, he's been, been around a while. For a while, but until last year when he played 56 games, he had 21 NHL games played before that. Hmm. So when you hear the announcers talk, he never lost confidence. It's just like now people have confidence in him, right? And he's figuring out the league so he can do the things he wants to do out there. You say, oh, yeah, he's 26. He's never played in the league before until last season when he was at best a part-time player. So maybe this has just always been who he was, but not everyone's a superstar right away. Matt, not that he's not going to be a superstar, but but he's, he's been strong. Yeah, he's yeah. been yeah. really good. There's like, nothing wrong with like a good, solid third pairing defenseman. It's nice to have, as opposed to every single one of our defensemen like a are a number seven. But we need to play situation. them in the top pair. Yeah, <laughs> but his strong play and has forced Dave Haxtell to make the decision, seemingly between Schultz and McDonald as the odd man out. And Delzato's due back November fifth, I think. What, yeah, I think it's, it's either the second or the fifth, something like depending that. upon the way you interpret the the rules of long term IR. I know it was a single digit, uh, but uh, do we expect Andrew McDonald? He has to be the odd man out when Gudis comes I back, can't right? Or Delzato comes back. The only way I could see it not being him is if Manning falls off a cliff, which is possible. Oh, totally possible. He's still yeah. Brandon Manning. He's just he's such a fascinating defensive from a stat standpoint because his advanced metrics last year, like. They were pretty good, and and it was amazing because you watched him play, and he looked so bad. But the numbers were good, at least the the, the raw counts. Like when I when I did that the piece when like before we knew if Provorov was going to make the team, and I was basically like, look, Provorov should make this team because the lowest three defensemen in the depth chart are garbage. Like Manning was the one guy who you looked at, and you're like, okay, well, like his his all nice overall shot attempt numbers, pretty solid, even though he fails the eye test. And when you weight those shot attempts for quality, he look he looks terrible from a stat standpoint. So, like, there were signs that he could be decent. I didn't buy them because <laughs> he just looks so bad. And you were like, okay, well, there's this has to be a fluke. Like, there's no way he can actually be this good. And then somehow he's come out this year and he's actually looked as good as the stats claimed he was. That goal against Carolina was a thing of beauty. Do you know how many great players can't make that play? Most of them. Uh, no. I just heard a I, I just heard a stats guy say that he didn't believe the stats because of the eye test. Like this, I thought I heard that I, too, but this I was is what just, I just heard. These and, are things I say out loud to myself all the time. So you don't you're not a stats guy. I believe in the stats. I understand that, but Charlie's a stats guy. Charlie's here mostly just to tell me when I'm making stuff up. It was an exception, and I should have stuck with the stats. I know, I love it. At least I stuck with the stats with Matt Reed, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm being proven right there. No, I I actually, I love that, because that's that's an instance where, you know, it's both. Because that's on either side of the aisle. You've got people screaming, watch the game, or look at the numbers, and you're doing both. This is why we have him here. It's fun, because it's... I love that those are the two 
like options like watch the game or look at the numbers yeah, like you obviously do both can't you just no, do both no, you, you can't, <laughs> can't, the can't. game only choose. the game only happens for like two and a half hours spreadsheets and then there's like hockey. two like 22 other hours of the day where you can totally you know Look at numbers. There's there's all sorts of things that can go on. You can do well, both. Well, actually, <laughs> twenty one and a half hours. I'm not good at math. That's why. That's why I'm Charlie here. Yeah. Crunch the numbers. Uh, but a guy who's bounced back since being paired with Brandon Manning, Ivan Provorov has come back strong since those games against the minus five game where he just was awful against Chicago. It was just a rookie. and then and then another. But then a second poor outing in a row against Anaheim. I'm not. Um, uh, we said it last week. I'm not worried about. I, I wasn't worried, but yeah. it was good to see him. It is. It's good to see him bounce back and play as strongly as that. Strongly is a word, right? It is strongly yeah. as. Got I, that right. It didn't. It didn't sound right coming out of my mouth. And, and he, he said okay. he said that he wasn't changing his game. That there that he had a bad couple games, but he wasn't letting it get to him, and he he wasn't making drastic changes in the way that he prepares, the way that he plays, which I think is really good because he doesn't necessarily need to. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with there was nothing wrong with his overall game. Like yeah, the the execution was off. But his his strategy, you know, his general philosophy on the ice, everything looked fine. He just fell over one time or yeah. you know, made a bad pass in Couturier's skates. Like it's frustrating, but it happens, you know, especially when you're 19 years old and you're not in your physical prime. Like you're going to make physical mistakes and then when you're 25, you don't make them as much because you're as strong as you're ever going to be. So there was never. I don't think there was ever really anything wrong with him, and he still just looks like Ivan Provorov, this ultra solid, smart defenseman who nine times out of ten is going to make the play that you want him to make. Yeah, I think you actually said that last week that he makes he might make physical mistakes, but he's always making the right choice mentally, and that's really what matters because the physical stuff's going to follow. Yeah, and I mean, then you see you see a guy like Andrew McDonald who, who always never makes never makes the, the wrong choice. choice. I like- and then also falls down. I like that there hasn't been <laughs> also always false. I like that there like he trusts what he's seeing as well. He's not has like he's 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 lined up a couple of a uh, couple of one timers. He's not like okay maybe I should. No. He's just playing his game out there, which is it was important after he said I'm not going to change it. Yeah, I played bad, but this is what I do. His last three games, great stat line. He's got three assists, two at even strength, six hits, eight blocks, over an hour's worth of ice time, like an hour and five minutes. He's He looks as good as advertised and as good as we expected him to. Uh, I'm really, really enjoying uh, watching him right now. It's a lot of fun to see this team come together. He assisted on Konechny's goal the other night, and Provorov, oh my God. Konechny from Provorov is just something I'm really, really looking forward to listening to for the for, next for ten a good years? amount for a good amount of time. Oh my God, I can't. Please don't jinx it. <laughs> <coughs> I get so scared. There's can't, can't play scared, Kelly. Oh God, I almost died. Uh, we were talking before the show. Don't let the Eric Lindros syndrome get to you. Well, no, we were talking before the show about how soon, Provorov and Konechny are like best friends. Because they were drafted the same year and have gone through all of the things together. How the heck did Ron Hextall get both of them in the same draft? <laughs> Thanks, Boston. Boston, thank you! Peter Shirelli is me. fun. What a, what a haul. And it, was, it seemed like such a great... Like, how many times have... The Eagles or whoever, like, taking a guy in the first round. And we're like, yeah, this guy's going to be great. We love this pick. And then he busts. Uh, and, like, how many times have the Flyers well, done that? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But, like, 
everyone came out of that first round like, wow, they got Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny. This is a great draft. And now two years later, like, wow, they got Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny. This is an amazing draft. Yeah. Like, it worked out exactly the way everyone wanted and it And you to. got Konechny for, like, Braden Coburn. And you also got, for Braden Coburn, the guy I want to talk about next, who made his return. What? What now, Steph? I wasn't done with my point. That was a really, really good transition, It was a really good transition. You ruined all my transitions. I ruined everything, What's your next point, Stephanie? Well, that they're best friends, and Kelly is worried that they're going to be the next Richards and Carter and get traded. Let them rage. Just don't trade them. No, not that part, the getting traded part. Yeah, not in like the, the dry island... Dave Haxtell bakes cakes, not in like that weird way, <laughs> like in, like in a in a at some point something gets weird and one of them's traded to Columbus kind of way, and I don't want that to happen. Oh God, I'm nervous. Something I've learned from all these, I all get these, scared when we have nice all things. these situations from Carter and uh, 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 Tyler Sagan. Just do what Chicago Castle. Just yeah, all that. Just do what Chicago did and ignore it and win cups. Exactly. <laughs> just do what they did and say it ain't let, worth it. We have a good player. Yeah. Let millionaires in their twenties act these like guys. Idiots. I mean, Travis Konecki. When you hear him talk, he's like the most humble dude ever. When they were asking him about oh, yeah. his first goal last night, he was like, he "I'm so blacked out. I'm so happy." <laughs> he was so happy that he sparked the team to win, and all he wants to give all the credit to Coots and Jake for just setting him up on every shift. Yeah, it's great. But I'm um, now. Are, are we good? I just think that it's hilarious. He said that he blacked okay. out, which is funny. We're good now. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Badco Goodass uh, made his return last night. <laughs> yes, I said that. Right. I, I said that on purpose. Okay. Uh, he made his return last night. Man, I miss that guy. Uh, I didn't. You forget about the little things he helped do, like when Dave Haxtell was saying, yeah, he's, he's going to help move the puck and stuff. You're like, no, he's going to kill people. And then now he just does little things to move the puck on like pretty regular basis that really helped the team. And he, he looked good last night. He's a goon. He is a goon. That's, a why, that's why I love him. And a goon. He's a skilled yeah. goon. Yeah. yeah. Like, flyer. It blows me away with well, Goodis. Top where, pair goon. Top pair goon. But it blows me away with Goodis how like he's not fast. Like he's he's not an awful skater, but he's not he's not fast. Yet in the neutral zone, he has no problem dealing with rushes. Like he's a good neutral zone defender. And then you look at a guy like McDonald, who is a better skater, technically better with the puck, at least in terms of like what he can theoretically do. And Gudis breaks up rushes, and McDonald never breaks up rushes. And it's like it's all just in your head. Like McDonald just cannot. Get McDonald's past himself. McDonald knows think, what a rush is to I, stop it. I just get this, like, that has a lot to do with the brand of hockey you grew up watching and playing and being Czech. Like, yes, he, Gudis is a physical freak. He will knock you out. And a lot of times it's dirty. But he grew up. Uh, it, I mean, he, he gets suspended. A lot, a lot of times. Yeah, sure. But I, I always I mean, say you need a little bit of that. More often but, than not, it's stupid. Sure. I, but I'd say I think it's more you stupid a, than dirty. You need a little bit of that sometimes. A little Just bit of Just a dumb. little bit. Just a dash of dumb. Just <laughs> have them guys look over their shoulder in the corner. But growing up playing, like, grow, playing the brand of hockey against guys like Jake Voracek, who are speedy skill players, there's a ton of grinders that come from Canada. And Andrew McDonald has been told his whole life, and just back up, let him come to you, don't get beat. And Voracek has, er, Voracek, and Gudis has just, it's a different brand of hockey over there. So mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with it, that he's able to play both ways. It might, it might. Regardless of how he does it, he does it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And 
going into last season, you really thought he was just going to be this third pair, you know, oh, he takes too many penalties. He's Zach Ronaldo on defense. And then he went out there and he was good. And last night he went out there after missing six games because of an, an unnecessary hit because he's Radko Gudis. Sure. He goes Dash out there. Dumb. And he's good. And he's, he, mm-hmm. yeah, I think his Corsi was like over 70. He faced six rushes, broke up two of them, forced four dump-ins. Like every time a player charged in the neutral zone, they never hit the, hit the offensive zone with possession. Like, this is Radko Gudis, and he's a throw-in. Actually, the, good. Yeah, he's a throw-in on the Braden Coburn deal. Like he was hurt. We we're just like, yeah, we'll take him. Sure, <laughs> you need to shed some salary. We really want that first-round pick. And it looks like you have possibly a building block for the future. Uh, I, and uh, he's probably my favorite player in the team. I love him more than Wayne Simmons. <sighs> Simmons is up there, but he put on that shield. So that it, oh, <laughs> William. It's ever, ever since that shield, I think differently about Simmons. <laughs> How long? Goodis is young, right? What's his contract? I think he's like twenty five. He's twenty five, twenty six. Yeah, he's. Is he's, that all? Really? Yeah. yeah, he's young. Oh wow. Yeah, he I really mean, the had, beard makes him yeah, look that's, older. That's true. He really didn't have yeah, a nineteen ninety. He really oh didn't. God. Yeah, he really Jesus didn't have Christ. a ton of experience when when they oh, acquired boy. him. I'm but very it's, old. Four four years he signed. This summer, okay. He's a righty shot. They don't. I mean, that's one. He's the only one. He's the only one aside from Myers. Like, if you're looking at the future, like Sanheim, Gossesbear, Proveroff, Hag, if he actually pans out, like they're all lefties. So it helps to have a guy who's a righty shot to balance out the pairings. And somehow, despite you know the first glance at his skill set, he drives play. He's useful, and if he can just avoid getting suspended every month, then he could be good. Here's hoping. Every other month. I'm good with every other month if he gets suspended <laughs> well, every other month. you know who month. plays when he doesn't? Nick Schultz and Andrew McDonald. <laughs> Maybe at a certain point it'll be Sam Moran and Travis no, it's Sanheim. Always, it's always going to be Andrew McDonald for the rest of all time. No. Their contract expires minors. in the same year. He'll be fine. It'll work. It actually does. It'll work. I know. <laughs> it's always going to be Andrew McDonald. It'll all be all can, right. Can we like... Send him a card. Please don't ever get suspended again because, and then on the inside, we don't want Andrew McDonald. No, it's just a picture of Andrew McDonald laying on the ice, <laughs> swinging his stick out in an attempt to break up a play. Like, can we do that? And since we're talking about suspensions, let's, yes. That Kulikov hit last night was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Like, that. There is absolutely no reason. I didn't get to yell about this today, so I'm doing it now. There is absolutely no reason that it was a two-minute penalty, number one, that it was a two-minute minor, and that there was no supplemental discipline. There's The league needs to get its shit together other than, all right, well, Voracek came off the ice for a second, went down into the locker room and then came back and then scored the game-winning goal. So he's fine. This is an okay hit. There's no injury. Get out of here. Yeah, this is the thing that infuriates me the most, I think, about the NHL's disciplinary mode. I I lost my word. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. So we talk a lot about their inconsistencies. And a lot of times we talk about that with regard to number of games, right? But I don't think that's the biggest problem. The biggest problem is that they legislate based on result. Mm-hmm. And because Voracek got up, because he didn't lay there, because he wasn't hurt, then we're determining that this is an okay hit. There's nothing to see here, which is nonsense. That hit was in some ways worse than what Gudis did. I agree. And Gudis got six games. So the idea that because the player that you hit isn't hurt, 
should in no way factor in to what you're doing when you're disciplining him. And I think Bill disagrees with me, but that's okay. Well, the, the hit no, that, no, was on, okay. that was on Voracek was infinitely worse than the hit that Dale Weiss did to oh, absolutely. whoever it was a couple weeks ago and got th- three games. Weiss just left his feet a little earlier, made it more obvious that he launched. It was much more of a charge. Uh, I don't think the hit was as egregious as everybody else. I think it should have been absolutely a five-minute major, maybe a fine, but since it was legislated as a two-minute minor on the ice, that's where the idea of supplemental discipline comes in. That's what I said with the and. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I... I don't like the hit, and I don't want to. Uh, if you can take that hit away, I, I I saw David Booth's career basically end mm. on Mike Richards laying a very similar hit. Uh, I, I I don't I don't think it was as egregious as everyone thinks, but I also think it is a very dangerous play. I saw. I always want to call him John Stevens, but he played for the Phantoms and coached the Flyers. I saw Scott Stevens go to the Hall of Fame for making that hit it's every a night. It's a different I know it's a different game. Now. I know it's a different game, and I would like to eliminate as many dangerous plays as possible. Like, but whenever we talk about putting yourself in a vulnerable position, like we always do when the Flyers do these things. No, 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 Finish. Go ahead, finish your sentence. Thank you. Go ahead. When the Flyers make these hits and we say yeah but you know he put himself in a vulnerable position which is usually true I get your head up over the blue line no so this is where I'm this <laughs> is where I'm that's first day you. stuff this is where I'm di- you ever seen Mr. Alaska head was down no I haven't actually um <laughs> I don't I don't oh, stuff doesn't move I know I forgot, movie. I, forgot, I forgot um I am gonna go see Harry Potter when it comes out though oh great because those are the that's not only- over with yet no, there's a brand new one. Oh, good. There haven't been enough of those. Kelly? <laughs> Go, Steph, make your point. I want to hear about Harry Potter. Can you cut off her mic? <laughs> no. um, usually when we say the player put themselves in a dangerous position, it's against the boards. This is open ice. Yeah. He launched into his head. The helmet came flying off, and Jake hit the ice without the helmet along with his head. Yes, you can keep your head up, but the hit is still coming. It's not against the boards. Yeah, I know. I just like, the guy. He didn't turn into the boards. He didn't bend over into the boards. I'm it's not open saying ice. it's a completely clean hit. Okay, I'm just good. saying because there is a difference between putting yourself in a vulnerable vulnerable position and getting a clean hit that injures you because you're acting like an idiot. Sure. And then there's a a dirty hit, and that's what we got here. Just a dirty hit. Yeah, I. I just I keep going back to the Gudis hit. Really, it, the Wee hit's a little bit different because, as you said, it was a little bit more obvious that he was going for the head. The Gudis hit. If you're going to break it down, there's three things that were bad about the Gudis hit, or that they said were bad about the Gudis hit. The first thing was the lateness. The second thing was um, was launching. Third thing was eventual contact with the head. This pretty much had all that like maybe this was a little bit less late than good but we're talking about like tenths of a second here and if i remember correctly one of the biggest things that the league didn't like about the goodest hit was the fact that goodest saw the puck leave and then still launched at the guy's head mm. well that's exactly what kulikov did here like yeah maybe it was you know 0.4 seconds rather than 0.6 on and they the do hit. often i didn't see because there was no discipline i guess there wasn't a video for this one or i just didn't see it but they do time they, it they, they do time and it like have those distinctions of tenths of seconds but my, yeah my, on my, the ice it's all happening in real time exactly and my big problem with it was that look i get it kulikov's lining up for a check for the hit 
He passes the puck. He's going to hit him. You know what? That's hockey. That's fine. But Kulikov watches the puck go. The puck is on its way to the next player, and he still launches at him. It was very much gone. There's no reason for him to, to leave his feet and launch once he sees the puck gone. There's really no reason to do it, period. But especially when the puck's gone. Like, this wasn't a blind side, like, oh, I didn't see he got rid of the puck. He knew he got rid of the puck, and he still did it. Like, that's the problem. And I didn't think this was... I didn't think the Gudis hit was any worse than this one. And while the reason why Gudis got six games wasn't necessarily just because of the hit, it was because of the history. Kulikov has history, too. So if they would have decided the Kulikov hit was a suspendable hit, he might have got a lot because of the past history. And it just... That was my big problem, was that... The puck was gone. He saw the puck go, and he still launched. Was he completely off the ice? I don't know. He had maybe had like the toe of his other skate on the ice, but like now we're just splitting hairs. It wasn't and a good hit. When, like you say, it wasn't. I've seen hits where the momentum takes you up. This was a drive to the head kind yeah. of thing. Maybe his skates were on the ice at the very initial jersey to jersey point of contact <laughs> but the guy launched at the head like that i will, like your aura touched yeah, the yeah. other aura uh, it, it was absolutely a charge i will not yeah. that part of it i will not defend at all i just think it wasn't as egregious as everyone said and had it been legislated on the ice properly uh i i wouldn't have seen an issue for supplemental discipline but they, they got it wrong. The thing, Yeah, they absolutely they got, got it, wrong. it wrong. The thing that bothered me most about it, and I didn't see it until today, on BroadStreetHockey.com, I believe it was premeditated. Tell me more. Dan Bilesman yesterday was asked if there was going to be some sort of quote-unquote retribution on Radko Gudis for his hit like last year or something. It was last and year. knowing the kind of punk that Dan Bilesman is, oh, he's, he's so a punk. Cool. I want to call him other things, Go ahead. but I won't because he's a punk. Show. It's a family-friendly yeah. show. Because he's no, a we punk. have an explicit rating, he, guys. <laughs> he coaches like a punk. His teams are always full of punks. And they usually... He said that they have made note that Gudis was back, and then in the third period of a game that was, you know, in his mind, okay, time to go get him. All of a sudden, some guy lays out one of the Flyers' best players. Well, you know what? It cost them the game. It cost so, them the so game. Jokes on you, Dan yeah. Miles. I mean, if it was if it was intentional, if it was a guy taking a shot, then <laughs> you know what? You gave Flyers a power play. That's which so then Dan allowed them to Bilesma, score. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. that's how Dan. <laughs> yeah. That's why Dan Bilesma didn't have success with a team that should have won three cups. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on yeah. making more poor coaching decisions. I think the real the joke worst. was on Kulikov because he hits like a bitch. He left his feet. <clears throat> he, not a woman, oh, no. a bitch. Okay. <laughs> well, I am a bitch. Le- and I will hit you, and then let me. Well, then actually, we'll, then we'll see. He left his feet and hit a guy in the head late, and still couldn't knock him out of the game. He scored the game-winning goal on you. You couldn't even do your goony thing right. When Radko Gudis hits somebody, he takes him out for good, like a man. Yeah. <laughs> not like a woman. I didn't say woman. There's a difference. There's a difference. I'm Trouble. And it's distinct. <laughs> we can we can yell about this on as Monday. As soon as William. somebody comes up with other terms, I will use them. But the B word and the P word don't they don't apply to women. They're just uh, they're they're no, synonyms or something. D- One no, of the words you know with cool? multiple meanings. Well, you're, you're, you're digging Travis, a grave here. Travis just stop. Yeah. scored his Thank first you, goal. Thank you, Charlie. That. Right. They're words with multiple meanings. Oh. You know how those I'm exist? William. William. I'm going to get to Travis Connect. This is not the show. <laughs> yeah. Please yell about sports on other shows. Like, yell about sports. This is, yeah. This is not the show. You're Mondays wrong. Travis Konechny. Travis Konechny got his first goal. And it was... 
a thing of beauty, but the the part that really sticks with me, and it's not, it's not really his goal at all. It was his celebration when he threw himself against the glass. And there's one thing that I remember f- from years ago. Braden Shen's first goal was at the Winter Classic. And he was told that after he scored, he threw himself against the glass and... I think it was Drew, but it may not have been. It may have been someone who was on the team a little bit longer at that point came up to him and was like, don't do that. That's what you do in juniors. You don't do that as a pro. And then Konechny did it. I'm like, he's still our baby. I I hate, I just hate the, oh, we do it this way. This isn't baseball. Hockey's an emotional, emotional game. I mean, I've got no problem that he did it. Sleep. I hate that stuff. Yeah, I, Alex Ovechkin does crazy stuff yeah. when he scores, and you know what? He can do it because he scores 50 of them a year. That's yeah. it. You have it's to. It's so fun. You I have to it. score 50. That's the thing, is you have to be one of those guys, and it's okay. No, it's always okay. No, it's it always should always be okay. okay. I'm he fine with it should have celebrated yeah. and yeah. continued to just take laps That's, around the, the ice. Uh, like, the that's alumni, what I was doing. I, I think Solani had the uh, the winner in the uh, the alumni game in the Heritage Classic, and he didn't throw his glove oh, up and snipe it. Oh. And I was like, well, that was just a, such a waste. <laughs> that was just such a waste of an opportunity. But yeah, Travis Konechny has been, like I said earlier, all intents and purposes, he's been the most threatening forward for the Flyers all year. It seems he's, like he creates an opportunity on every single shift. He is absolutely electrifying. He's he's definitely been the most visible player at all times. He's one, when he's on the ice, you know that he's on the ice. And that's been really, really nice to be a part of. It's It's so much fun to watch that... They're a team with speed now. They're a team with skill. They're a team that skates. And it's really like that draft. Yep. That 2015 draft is one of those we're going to look back on and go, that's the one that kind of set the foundation for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Konechny's been ridiculous. And I, I think at this point, we I, are we in agreement that the, the quote-unquote second line is really the first line? I said last night, it's time to stop calling him. It's, yeah, I, I mean, like, we, we talked last show, I think, about how the numbered line thing is kind of antiquated and yep, you want to yeah. even it out. But, yeah, I mean, if we're going to number them, Couturier, Voracek, and Konechny is the first hmm. line. It's the dangerous line. And, yeah. and, and that's not... I'm I'm not throwing Drew under the bus here because I think that one of the reasons why he struggled in the past few games is because Braden Shen has been an absolute dumpster fire. Oh, oh yeah. it's been bad. But Katuri Voracek and Konechny have been unbelievable. Like every single time they hit the ice, they're creating chances. They're the only line that's consistently gained the offensive zone with control. They're, they don't play dump and chase. They just beat you on the rush because both Konechny and Voracek can create controlled entries at will. Which is incredible because the Flyers haven't had that. It's basically just been Voracek. And then when Voracek's not at his best, he can and then no one can. Now they have to defend against two guys on the same line that can beat you with speed or with, you know, slick puck moves or whatever. And the result is a line that is just really, really tough to stop, especially when you add Couturier to it, who is great on the cycle and is fantastic in the defensive zone. So he's doing the little things to let those guys do the fun things. There was a very smart woman over the summer that said... Thank you, Kelly. We could be looking at a very near future where Sean Couturier is the number one center on this team. And there was a man named Bill Matz who told this wonderful woman that she was wrong. Sorry about that, NHL haiku. (laughs) (laughs) It it was me. Oh, you. It it was was me. Uh, Well, still not true. 
<laughs> just flip the wingers and it would be the same thing. Couturier is just, you know. He's, Couturier's playing Couturier's well. getting drug along. Okay, <laughs> no, I love not, Couturier. I'm not, kidding. not that. I'm totally kidding. This is, Charlie's going to cut you. Uh, yeah, this is, this is basically Bill doing anything yes, he can do to not say that I was right. I'm not, I'm going to discredit Steph at all possible, <laughs> all possible chances. But the, the other great thing about Konechny so far this year is that, like, this isn't a fluke. And you look at the stats, and it's really fair to call Konechny the most, I, I would say, the most impactful player in the offensive zone. He leads the team in shots. Not not shots on goal, but like shots that aren't blocked, so that would include missed shots. Mm-hmm. He leads the team in shots at 5-on-5 five five when you adjust for time on ice. And more importantly than that, he's gener- he's he's generated the most shot assists, which is basically a stat that's been created by uh, by one of the other guys that writes for Hockey Crash, Ryan Simpson. And just think of it as assists, but you get an assist every time you're the first pass to create a shot. And, nice. I was going to actually ask you to explain that next. So yeah. thank you. You have it written here. And basically what Ryan found is that that is actually a better predictor of a guy's future points than his past points. So if a guy has like one, one assist in his first 10 games, but he leads the team in shot assists, He's probably going to get a lot of assists the rest of the season. So this isn't the case of Konechny just kind of getting lucky and like every good play he makes happens to end up in the back of the net. Like, no, he's scoring a lot of points and he's creating a lot of things that don't go in the net too. So I don't see any reason why this isn't going to keep going because he looks fantastic in the offensive zone. Now, as a play driver, he's been, you know, just okay. Not bad, but just okay. But once they're in the zone, he's he's been dominant. He's been arguably the best player. That's compared to guys like Voracek and Drew, who are fantastic players in their own right. And uh, I think that's what's made that line so good, is you have three guys who really complement each other. Uh, they're all... Uh, it's it's a lot... Uh, it, it's a per- it's, I don't want to say a perfect line, but it's exactly what you want out of a line. A complete center and two speedy wingers who can you know both do different things, but are great at what they do. Now, Braden Shen was mentioned, and... I don't even know if I really want to get into this because I'm not that worried about him. He is one that starts slow and he didn't have the World Cup that he was playing in and he started off suspended. So he's not up to speed with the rest of the team. But is anybody feeling differently about that? I'm not worried. I think that he'll get there. I'm not worried. I'm just frustrated. Yeah. Because he's I mean, just, it is he anno- just it's annoying. really bad. He just doesn't seem to have the legs going yet. And... Dave Haxall, clearly a fan of the show. <laughs> Obviously, he listens to us. Because he bumped Braden Shen down to line three, and Meat Reed is up on the Meat. first line. Meat. I did it for you. This I did Thank it for you guys. Meat Reed is cooking. Meat Reed is cooking, oh, man. Charlie. That's, and that line, like I said, Braden just doesn't seem to have the legs going yet. And he's a guy who gets a lot of his production on the power play. And you're going to keep him in that spot. You saw he had the one-timer for the goal last night. That yep. was all well and good. But I feel like Giroux, you're asking Giroux to do too much when his wingers are Shannon Simmons. You're really like pigeonholing him into, uh, you're going to have to pull these guys along. And there's just not enough speed there. There's not enough skill. I'm I'm a much bigger, obviously, again, like we said about Brandon Manning. Matt Reed could fall off a cliff at any minute now. Any, any, yeah. But any for just evening out the lines and giving everyone kind of what they need in the in the top nine, I like Matt Reed up there, and I want to see it continue at least for the time being. I mean, I still kind of hate it, but it's going to be for a different it's reason. It's not ideal. Yeah. The, the reason that I hate it is because Raffle's injured. 
I, I would love to see the third line of Raffle Shen cousins. Yeah. That would be nice. You know, that I think would be much better. It, it pains me that Raffle's injured anyway, because I think they're a much better team when he's on the ice. Um, but, you know, I'm fine. If we're going to, Matt Reed is hot right now, fine. Put him with Claude Giroux. Fine. I don't care. Yeah. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily have a problem with Braden Shen and, and Wayne Simmons when Braden Shen is effective. But Braden Shen, this is, this is not effective Braden Shen. This is no. bad Braden Shen. And the thing about Braden Shen that set that, it distinguishes him from a guy like Couturier. Because a guy like Couturier, when Couturier is not scoring, he's still doing other things well. He's still driving play. He's still killing penalties. When Braden Shen is not scoring, he is useless. Because he does not drive play. He doesn't kill penalties. And he's on the power play, but when he's not scoring, he's not scoring on the power play either. So what is he bringing to the table? And what you're seeing right now is Braden Shen is not doing anything positive on the ice. He's getting butchered in puck possession. He's not. He finally got his goal on the power play, so that was good. Hopefully that'll get him going, but you can't... Hacksaw's been using the first line a lot, which is understandable. There is first line, and you can't be throwing a guy out there for 16 minutes of 5-on-5 play if he's playing like garbage. You have to bring him down. And Matt Reed is basically Michael Roffel, but worse at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can say that. That's pretty much what he is. Like, He's he does the little things. I was I was running through the uh, the manually tracked data. That I, Corey I missed did. the name that you said. I'm sorry. Who? Oh, meat. <laughs> oh no, no, it actually wasn't a joke. I, I missed the name that you said was worse than Raffle. Oh, I, like Reed is basically like okay. Raffle, but not as good. Okay, I just wanted to be able to contribute. A if Matt Reed had scored on that dangle last night off the feed from oh, Drew, I would have gone through my television. Because <laughs> like, all right, he had the one, he had the one sick goal and a couple. If he had two of basically beating the goalie like that, I would, I would have lost it. That because, yeah. and I will. Uh, Matt Reed in the lockout year had a decent time playing with Giroux and Voracek, if I remember. Uh, they just outskilled some guys. I think he I think that was the game he had a hat trick against the Islanders. There was he he had some success playing with Giroux in the past. So I don't mind it for the time being. He drives play. And, yeah. and that's what it comes down and that's what Raffle does. Raffle yeah. gets the puck through the middle of the ice into the offensive zone and lets Drew and Simmons do their magic. And that's what Reed is supposed to do. I was running through Corey Corey uh, Corey Schneider's stats, uh, the manually tracked data that he did, um, and yet again, he's Matt Reed is grading out as one of the best forwards the Flyers have in the neutral zone in terms of like when he's on the ice, the Flyers get the puck into the offensive zone more than the opposition, and they get it in in more effective ways, and they give up. He's an effective player. He pushes play in the right direction, and that's not the worst thing to have on the wing of a guy like Drew, mm-hmm. who is great in the offensive zone because he's a great passer and he has a good shot. And uh, like putting Shen, you were saying when he's not scoring, he's just not effective. And having him and Wayne Simmons, a streaky scorer as most goal scores are, because nobody scores. Well, 82 one goals. is streaky and one is inconsistent. So <laughs> you know, one's good, one's bad. All goal scorers are streaky. Yeah, nobody scores. How 80, about that? Nobody scores eighty-two goals. But yeah, uh, you know. Well, Braden Shen's had one season of twenty-five plus goals. So let's you know. Here's my question, though, and I'll, okay. I'll present this kind of to everybody. If we're okay with Braden Shen not being on the first line, and we're okay with him not being on the first line for a little bit, you know, maybe even when Raffle comes back, he takes that role. Like, are we 
okay with him not scoring that much because he's still going to score on the power play, but he's not going to score as much a five on five considering the contract they gave him in the offseason. Like, the contract are people, people going to go crazy if he goes back to 40 points because he's not playing on the first line anymore? People are going to go, yes, people, people will go, go crazy, crazy regardless. Uh, I'm okay with it because I like the. I like we said last week. I like that depth of your first three lines all having a guy who can get something done, even if Braden Braden Shen's dependent on someone getting him the puck so he can put it in the net. But that will happen because he's on the third line, so he's up against third pairing defensemen and the people that he'd be playing with. Once everyone's healthy, hopefully, will be able to do that because our third line talent has improved uh, just just from one player just by bringing in Travis Konechny like one player has really made a hell of a lot of difference and I didn't see that happening this summer like number one I didn't think that he was going to make the team because he's 19 but Steph's I an ageist no because <laughs> he's not a fully grown man yet yeah I mean for, to for, be like, honest, for, for lack of better words yeah I mean, I'm I'm trying to be super positive all the time about the Flyers and almost nothing else. But um, <laughs> even I didn't think that Konechny was going to make the team. I thought Provorov for sure, but Konechny was a surprise. I know you didn't. I didn't that's, think yeah, that's what I mean. But I, yeah, Konechny. I, I prefer to be negative so that I'm pleasantly surprised yeah, at all times. That's a good way to be. But as long as we get the power play production out of Braden Shen, I think I will still get twenty plus goals yeah. from him. Yeah, if he's a twenty-two to twenty-five goal guy and he's getting that production from the slot on the power play with that first unit. I'm cool. I, I'm not going to be on this show blasting him. I'm sure him I'm, I'm sure it'll be all over Twitter. Like 5, 5.1, yeah, right? All over 5. Okay. I mean, whatever. It's, it's, the it's thing a, is, though, it's like, a commitment. It is, but at the same time, it's like, I know we talked about this a bit last week. I don't really think we should talk about contracts when we're talking about, mm. I mean, a little bit, but not, not really. No, I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, people, people, it It is the the business business end, end but in a cap league, it's about team construction. Yeah, it is for sure, but he's not the contract that we really need to worry about. If a guy's guy's bad, he's bad. Whether, right. whether he's getting paid six hundred thousand dollars a year or six million, exactly. but a guy making, and it'll make him harder to move, sure. But and when you look at team construction, a guy making six hundred k a year, you can just get rid of. You can't do anything with Braden Shen if he's scoring eighteen goals, making five million bucks. True. You're gonna have to take on some other team's bad player and be in the same situation just with somebody different. Or you just use him as a third liner and he's overpaid. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Still. which I mean, it's early. We're, we're no, talking, we're is, talking about four games. This so is let's fully hypothetical. Right. But here's the thing: we're if, we're like way crazy right, right. now. If the, if the team, okay, but if if we end up with having Shen as a third liner, who's making five million dollars, which is not ideal, but the rest of the construction of the team is working out fine, does it even really matter? I don't know. Th- I don't. Not I, really. People, people will find something to complain about with yeah. this team, and always, but. But if we're winning games with a five million dollar third liner, whatever. No, well look at look at Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa yeah. Bay is probably the most the deepest team in the league from a forward standpoint, and they have Ryan Callahan on like the fourth line, and he's getting paid six mil. Are they okay? Well, yeah, because they got a bunch of guys on cheap deals because Steve Eiserman's a wizard. <laughs> and my whole <laughs> really idea is. last week was that 
the third line, having an expensive guy like that isn't that bad when you look at Phil Kessel on the Penguins' third line right. winning a cup because that gave them the kind of depth they needed. Is Braden Shen Phil Kessel? Probably not. I wish. But, yeah, it would be great, but yeah, probably, I, he probably not. probably loves hot dogs, though. But speaking of... Uh, no, Braden Shen likes cake. Uh, he likes his sweets. Speaking of people going nuts after a short amount of time, I, the Michael Neuvert supporter, am totally off the bandwagon. Oh, God. Steve oh Mason God. for life. Here we go. Um, it's, I don't even know what it's, to make of this. Nah, he, <laughs> he was briz bad last night. And it's been it's been two games that he started, two games in a row that he started and had to get pulled for me. Two and I was he played well in LA opening night and then he had the bad game against Chicago. And sometimes you just throw up your hands and go, Yeah, look at who killed him in Chicago. The Kane line. You know right. what? You That's know what, gonna happen. You know what, Bill? Michael Neuvert is undefeated. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone knows that goalie that was, record is the most important way to judge a goalie. I was looking at that. I was like, he's got one decision in three starts. And I was like, is it good or bad that we keep digging these holes and getting out of them? But It's, it's interesting. Yeah, I, it's I'm, fun. Interesting is, is the only word that I can come up with. Well, as I'm drinking rum last night and getting frustrated with the game, and then I'm drunk, and all of a sudden they're coming back, I'm like, yeah! This it's all time to get more drunk. It gets me more into it. I mean, the, the game last night was very reminiscent of the Chicago game, where they went down early and then came back and went into extra time. And it was the same thing. Neuvert started and then got pulled after he let in a bunch of goals that should not have gone in, and then Mace came to save the day. I think it's made it really clear who the starter is. Yeah, I was going to say he's making it super easy. Which but is nice. but the, always in the back of my mind is, well, is Neuvert hurt? Sure. Yeah. He's, he's hurt a lot. Yeah, he's, he's always hurt. hurt. A lot. Yeah. So usually when he's not playing very well, and it's an injury. This maybe? is this is very I mean, this is just reminiscent of the start Mason had last year when Neuvert got them through the first half and then Mason basically got them into the playoffs by himself. Yep. And mm-hmm. so and this is the I say and I'm off. Still gets no respect in this yeah. town. Zero. Unbelievable. I, I, I say I'm off the Neuver. Not just in this town, but yeah. anywhere. No, he's yeah, the 24th yeah. ranked goalie according uh, to the general managers like, of the, the NHL. I think this town actually is probably the easiest on him. Yeah, you make uh, that, a good which point. is saying a lot. When you see the goalie deals that are out there, these GMs are like, "Oh yeah, Mason's the 24th ranked." I'm like, "Yeah, according to you, giving Anti Niemi five million dollars, sure." Than Steve yeah. Mason, according yeah. to yeah. 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 So like, you kind of have to take all that stuff and. But where was Cam Talbot? We all spend the real question. question. <laughs> Should have started, <laughs> but we all, I think, for our own mental. <laughs> For like our own mental state, uh, like spend too much time on Twitter and people just period myself and the like, sentence I, there. Last, <laughs> last night I'm killing the Flyers and already okay if they come back on Thursday and look good I'll get over this game when you know I was over it as soon as Jake Voracek scored that shootout goal. Yep. Yeah, how wild is that? Just to win a shootout for Mason to make the saves, Giroux gets back on like the right track. Is he he was bad in shootouts for like two years after yeah, being one of the best because he used to be really good in shootouts. Maybe it was just a bad streak. I mean, we are talking about small sample sizes here. Yeah, it's once every two weeks. So maybe it was just a bad run, and now he's back. He certainly still has a skill, so that didn't go away. Yeah, your hands don't go anywhere. Yager has proved that. You'll lose lose your speed. You'll lose a lot. Your hands will be there. He's a robot. Yeah, he's a physical freak in nature. Did you see he has an Instagram now? 
And he was a pharaoh for Halloween. Oh. That's so yager. Excuse me. <laughs> he was a please, please go look him I'm up. So, I'm amazing. so glad that we got him in Philadelphia for one year. It yeah. was, yeah. We My opinion, just because like I got to experience who he really is and I got to appreciate him. So now when he does stuff, I'm like, oh, I love you, Yager. Not like you're some long-haired penguin I hate. Right. He's, you know? he's now one of us. Uh, real quick, special teams. Power play, it seemed like it was struggling for a bit. Then three or four last night, and now they're like top top ten in the league. I think yes. they're sixth. That was one heck of a night. <laughs> uh, they just, especially in that third period, it what was you, they was just like a shooting galley. They were blasting away at Nilsson and, and just destroyed him. Considering what happened, Voracek came out because he got hit in the head. Yeah, that was interesting. But it looked do you good. think maybe? I just don't think you can because like. Number one, Voracek is still a very, very good player, as he showed. Number two, and this just comes down to, you know, the the realities of the cap world and the realities of professional sports. Like, you're not taking the guy you're paying $8 million off the top unit. Like, you're I've, just not going to do it. I've just always thought he kind of needs his own unit. It's it why would be I, nice. It's but, why I didn't like him and Drew playing together on the same line, because it's like having two point guards. Yeah. There's one puck. These guys kind of do the same thing. The problem is, is that if you put Voracek on the second unit, then he's only getting forty seconds of power play time sure. at most. So, like, you have to weigh that. But I agree. I mean, they have the the unit looked really good with Strait there, and then Shen was able to score the one goal where Voracek usually is, which was a nice like new look that penalty kills weren't expecting, which was neat. But yeah, I mean, the Flyers went from being a struggling power play or an you know inconsistent power play at the start of the year they're just rocketing up all the board all the uh, statistical categories it was it was awesome and they won them a game so hey you can't just say it was one game because yeah it was one game but it was one game where the power play stole them two points and it's I mean when this team was making the playoffs that uh, 20 was it 2012 when they played the Rangers that's what got their 2014 yeah that's what got them into the playoffs was having a real competitive advantage on the power play, having Giroux there, having Voracek with those cross-ice passes, and they still had you know, Kimo Tiemann in at that time as well, which helped. Oh, but yeah, so it's that they need the power play going because of the players they have on this team. Uh, real fast, why is the penalty kill so bad? Um, no, Michael Roffel. No, I, I, I mean it's funny because they they did make changes. I wrote an article earlier this week about the changes they made. They added in more pressure in the defensive zone. They changed up the neutral zone forecheck a little bit. Like they're making changes, and I like the defensive zone pressure a lot. The forecheck, I'm still on the fence on whether it's a good idea. But I really think the biggest problem with the penalty kill is they're they're not using the right people. I think they're over. Mm. I think they're overusing Belmar and Vandevelde, and they're not using Couturier enough. Couturier is so the best, back. We're back. Couturier's oh, the best penalty killer on the team. Why is he not playing the second or third most minutes on the penalty kill? I've wondered that as well. That's a great question. I guess Could it's just it be? because they're asking so. They want him to do so much more now. Before he was the PK guy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Could it be like the the Giroux syndrome? Mm-hmm. And I'm using you know, air quotes where they don't want to use him in all situations, even though he doesn't. Yeah, like I'm, and, yeah. and like. That doesn't hurt Patrice Bergeron or Bronzy no. Kopitar or Jonathan Taze. You're talking three, about three of the best players in the league. Yeah, but, well, but, 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 but their role is a two-way center. Yeah. If you want to be a Selkie contender, you kill You've penalties. That's yeah. what you do. And if Couturier is going to be that guy, let him kill penalties. Yeah, it, that, that it's baffling, actually. And that is all the time we have for you this week on Broad Street Hockey Radio. Uh, the Penguins. The Penguins are on Saturday, people. The Sixers crowd was phenomenal tonight. 
we have to hold it down. Yeah. We've Flyers got have to hold Saturday. down. We've Trust got Cowboys process. Sunday. Like this is a big yes. rivalry weekend. It's parking lot fight weekend, people. Let's go get good and drunk. Show up these Sixers fans tonight. We have to do what they did to Russell Westbrook and OKC. <laughs> My uh, name is Bill Nats. Go Flyers. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.